Welcome to the I Hate Critics Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Jeff Lasseter and Josh Adams is joining us, our old co-host. He's back for the sixth, it's our 600th episode. So, uh, welcome back, Josh, for this one. Good evening, gentlemen, and I am happy to be part of the I Hate Critics podcast again for the first time. I, I still, uh, I still love critics, though. I can't quit you guys. <clears throat> Uh, this is going to be not your normal format because it is episode 600. I know we haven't really promoted that it's coming up, but that's kind of how the show rolls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but before we get there, uh, Sean, where can people get your reviews? Uh, you can find me at uh, geeks.media, horror.media, as well as, uh, of course, the archive blog, Sean at the movies.blogspot.com. And Jeff, where can people find you? Uh, all my links and everything are at jefflasseter.com. All right. And your piece this week on the killer clowns from outer space, that was amazing looking. Thank you. Thank you. I'll post it on the page. Um, I worked really hard on that one. That was for a convention that got canceled uh, locally. And so I just kind of let it sit. But I had to fill a quota for my printer for some stuff this weekend for Days of the Dead. And... I was like, let's see if we can finish that. So I stayed up until about 2 o'clock in the morning finishing that the night before. <laughs> nice. So, and Josh, do you have anything you want to promote? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, yeah. I, thankfully, uh, I'm not pressured with running a business or having to promote my brand at this point or anything. I'm just me, as I always have been. <laughs> Josh, plain and tall. <laughs> awesome. That's Josh. Uh, you know where all our social media links are. You know where you can listen to the podcast. So I'm not going to go into it this week. Patreon.com slash Critics Pod. If you want to help the podcast out, uh, it's the best way to help. Uh, we're going to start this week by going through the four new movies, and then we're going to just throw the format to the wind and just hang out with Josh, talk, catch up with him, maybe play some flick chart. Uh, we'll just see how it all plays out. Uh, but to start the show, there's a new Hunger Game movie. Yeah, I guess there is a new Hunger Game movie. Do you want to skip the news or? Oh, there's news. Well, yeah, there oh, was. There's news. Okay. You go first, Sean. Well, yeah, the the uh, we talked about it recently, and uh, I know Josh was was uh, commenting on this on the Facebook page as well about Coyote versus Acme. We've got the good news on that, that it is going to be sold to another company. And this week, they're showing it to uh, uh, four of the streamers to see if they'll start uh, placing bids on it this week. So hopefully that movie gets moved along to somewhere that will actually allow it to be seen. But now we have a new, uh, rather unprecedented uh, movie hitting the shelf. Uh, the Bike Riders with Tom Hardy and Austin Butler was set to be a big uh, awards content- contender. Uh, it was a $40 million movie that was made by uh, a Disney offshoot, and now Disney says, we're not going to release this. Uh, they've decided to sell it off, and they're kind of waiting to see who might buy it. Uh, at the very least, I mean, if this were you know Warner Discovery, they'd just throw it on a shelf and take a $30 million <laughs> tax rebate on it. But uh, Disney isn't going, is going to let somebody else buy this, at the very least. But it's kind of surprising. They'd put out, they've already put out trailers. They've already put out... Uh, advertising for this movie they were even looking at an academy run and now uh 
They've apparently just decided, nope, we're just going to get rid of this. Is there any insight as to why? No, no clue. Uh, Everybody who's seen it uh, out of the festivals earlier this year had high praise. Some people were saying this is a a star moment for Austin Butler, even bigger than his uh, Elvis performance. So I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get quite what their what their plan is here or why they decided to abandon it. Uh, it's it's a weird one. Wonder if they know something we don't about one of the stars or the director or something. Somebody gonna get arrested in the next couple of weeks? I don't know. That's that's the question right now. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. What else do we got? Yeah. Uh, um. Well, big news in the uh, horror community tonight. Uh, Melissa Barrera, who played Sam Carpenter in the Scream uh, reboot franchise, uh, has been fired for pro-Palestinian tweets or social media posts, I think on Instagram. Um, and Christopher Landon, who is directing this one, uh, he also directed um, uh, Happy Death Day. He made a statement tonight uh, that said, this is my statement, a broken heart emoji, everything sucks, stop yelling, this was not my decision to make. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, she's literally the star of the of the franchise at this point. Um, no, no talk so far as to whether... Uh, this is just a rumor. The Hollywood Reporter picked it up, but they also they pick up a lot of crap lately. Um, you know, people are saying that oh, it's like Gina Carano, and it's not. It's you know, she's not hating on anybody. She's just talking, calling it a genocide. Um, so yeah, there's. I don't know where the pieces are going to land on this. If the other uh, stars are going to stand in solidarity and start doing the same thing, no idea. But it's everybody is freaking out about it in the horror community. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting because I'm sure that the makers of Scream, as much as you've described, as much as she has been the star of the franchise, they'll just say that the mask is the real star of the franchise and that you can oh. make this movie with any group of actors, which they'll probably do. That's what she did when, uh, or that's what they did when Nev Campbell said, no, pay me what I'm worth. They're like, well, she's not really the star. It's the you know, Ghostface is the star. Um, but this is, you know, this is a lot of stuff has been happening around people speaking out pro-Palestine. Um, Susan Sarandon got dropped by her talent agency. Um, you know, like a lot, there's a lot of both. Uh, I don't know, like Susan, um, Sarah, Sarah Silverman and Amy Schumer and Noah Slap and all those guys they posted some really strong stuff against Palestinians and no, no consequences. Um, Melissa Brannon, uh, Melissa Brera, Susan Sarandon, uh, you know, a couple other people post pro Palestinian, not pro Hamas right. content and they're gone. So I don't know. It's, it's really doesn't do much for that whole Jewish people run Hollywood thing. <laughs> Well, and you said it, not me. <laughs> uh, you were thinking it. You I was. I was going to make a Mel Gibson comment, but you got, you jumped ahead of it for me. So. <laughs> Thank you. Um, her quote, 
I'm I'm looking at it now. Um, Melissa Barrera said, Gaza is currently being treated like a concentration camp, cornering everyone together with nowhere to go, no electricity, no water. People are still silently watching it all happen. This is genocide and ethnic cleansing. Uh, I know a lot of people, Jewish and Gentile, who happen to agree with that. Um, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I like you know, it's it's not not for me to say, but it it looks like they're just pissed. And she said no. Uh, she did post at the end of the day. I'd rather be excluded for who I include than included for who I exclude. So it looks like it's real. Good for her. I'm you know take a stand. No, I, yeah. I'm not going to, but I'm glad she did. <laughs> <laughs> I I personally I like I was not a fan of her character, but I think she's a I, I think she's a decent actress. Um, think she was good in the heights i'm not i wasn't a fan of that character but i still i think it's ridiculous that you know something like this is happening so absolutely all right how do we transition out of this one (laughs) (laughs) there's a new karate kid movie coming out (laughs) i did hear that yeah ralph macchio and uh jackie chan uh teaming up to bring those two uh karate kid universes together uh, he, he's Jack. There were some people saying, "Oh, how are you going to do this?" Jackie Chan can't play Mr. Miyagi. He was never playing Mr. Miyagi, <laughs> guys. He was not Mr. Miyagi. He was Mr. Han. So it's a different character. So this doesn't have. This is not a multiverse. Don't worry. <laughs> Wait, is is Jaden Smith going to be in it? No, no. Nobody talks to Jaden Smith. Okay. <laughs> Cobra Kai not exists God. in this world. The uh, show. I would assume that they're going to have to try and figure out a way for that to be part of this. Uh, this that show is coming to an end after six seasons. Uh, whether or not you know William Zabka will be part of this movie, I don't know. But uh, uh, they will probably have to explain it somehow. But they're doing a nationwide casting search. Uh, so if you you know Bob is the as the father of a young child, Josh is the father of a young child. You know, throw them out there. They could be <laughs> the next Karate Kid. <laughs> Oh, hell, you know how limber I am. So, my God, <laughs> get me in the ring. Actually, you know what? This would be an excellent time to finally kick Mike Barnes's ass. And Any of you remember Karate Kid 3? Even as a 10-year-old, I wanted to kick his ass. So, this, this is my chance to do a Bob stint where he threatens Liam Neeson or Denzel Washington or whatever. This is me threatening this guy. <laughs> <sighs> Do you watch Cobra Kai, Josh, or not really? I have watched three seasons of it, so I'm not caught up or anything. But I'm a fan of it. I I thought it was. What's that? Mike Barnes comes back. No kidding. You you got to watch all of them. Now you're going to be very disappointed (laughs) because he just kind of pops up and goes away. But (laughs) all right. Well, if the the thing is, I I enjoyed it enough to warrant watching the rest of it. Uh, and I actually, I might be the only dude that enjoyed the Jackie Chan Karate Kid movie. So um, because my revisit of that franchise, once Cobra Kai uh, came out and the 30th anniversary of Karate Kid happened, uh, I really went back and enjoyed it for what it was. So having another film that kind of, I don't know, wraps things together, maybe it ties it up really nicely. 
maybe it spawns something else. I, I'm sure that that would be the case. If it were successful, Sony would say, okay, now we're going to do a bunch of these instead of Cobra Kai. Regardless, uh, if they do it right, then and it has the spirit of what um, John Avildsen ri- originally did, then I'm all for it. Oh, the, it's, a, it's a famous IP, so of course they're making another one. Why wouldn't they? Well, of course they are. Sony will milk that until the cow falls dead in the field. <laughs> I think it's about to fall with the last season of Cobra Kai, though. So we'll see how they go <laughs> on. All right, now do we move to the new movies, or do we have more to talk about? Sure, why not? There's a new Hunger Game movie. Yes, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, directed by Francis Lawrence and starring Tom Blythe and Rachel Zegler, tells the backstory of President Snow, uh, Donald Sutherland's character from The Hunger Games. Uh, Tom Blythe plays the young uh, Snow and uh, tells his backstory about how he became uh, how he became the man who becomes President Snow. Um, this is a disappointing film. Uh, the, the Hunger Games was such a great... Uh, franchise in, in the first place because it had a strong perspective about the poor versus the rich. It had a perspective about you know revolution and and call it and you know as much as it was a mainstream you know YA blockbuster, it was a blockbuster that had a brain to it, and so much of that brain was coming from Jennifer Lawrence's performance. She was so great as Katniss. She grounded that character in a in a way that that made sense uh, that, that uh, certainly made sense with the political perspective of the franchise. And without that, you're just kind of left with this movie. That's just sort of there. Uh, Tom Blythe, especially is just not, not nearly <laughs> in the league mm. of Donald Sutherland. Uh, he's, he's a blank slate. He's a very empty performer. And I just was not compelled by him in any, any way. Rachel Zegler uh, plays Lucy gray, who is uh, the tribute that gets assigned to snow. Uh, he's going to be her mentor in the 10th annual hunger games. And, uh, he, he's motivated by you know, the fact that if you know, he can get a good performance, he can win something that'll get his family out of poverty. So he's compelled to connect with her and they end up falling in love uh, of sorts until the third act. And then they're just not in love anymore, I guess, because that's just a decision that the screenplay makes. It's very it's very odd. Uh, I thought this was disappointing. I was I guess I can't say disappointing. I don't know what I was expecting out of this, but I wanted more than what this is. I think the movie looks great. I think Francis Lawrence is a good director who has a strong eye for production design and and uh, good you know good uh, nose for action. But uh, the the characters just aren't there. As much as Rachel Zegler brings a lot of color to the performance, and uh, Peter Dinklage and Viola Davis are each just giving it everything that they have. Viola Davis going completely over the top. Uh, it's still with with Tom Blythe at the center. It's very empty, and I'm, I don't want to put it all on him. He's not a terrible actor. He's not the worst actor. He's just uh, he's just not great in this particular role. He just doesn't have the presence necessary to communicate the the character of Snow. And this backstory is kind of weak, uh, considering where we know we end up with that character. Now I <sighs> seem to remember when we briefly talked about it jeff said i hope this is better than the book was it uh no it was not uh it the only thing that elevated this above the book was rachel zegler she has so much screen presence and she is a, such a good singer and but she even does a southern kind of appalachian 
accent well. <laughs> Honestly, um, I, at first it was a you know it was a little jarring, but she she was really good in the part. Um, the songs were really well done. Uh, Viola Davis ate <laughs> in this role. She ate everything. Um, but like like Sean just said, Tom, like it's just he's a cipher. You just, there's nothing there. Um, I'm in this movie. I don't, I've never seen him in anything, in anything else. So I can't compare it, but he just, this story doesn't need to be told. Uh, you know, it just seems to be, it seemed to be a way to sell more books and now sell more movies. Um, it was kind of like, I was a huge fan of the Harry Potter movies. And I think that, and the books, unfortunately, um, but a big part of that was the cast and who they cast in different parts. And same with the Hunger Games. It's, you know, it was the cast and everybody was so good in them. But when when they came out with uh, Fantastic Beasts, it was just seemed like a cash grab. And it turns out it was. And I didn't enjoy those at all. Um, and I don't know if it was the cast or what. But that's the same thing with this. It's just some good good performances but the story sucks it just sucks and it's boring and it takes way too long uh and there's no real intrigue because you know how it's going to turn you know who he's going to turn out to be and i i'm i'm always the one who says you know if it was shorter i think if the book and the movie had been another trilogy i would have I would have been, I would have actually enjoyed that more because he, you could have followed his machinations from, you know, the poor son of disgraced family to the president. And now it just seems like, well, we got to just cram all that into one book slash movie. And they're the same thing. They're that they, they don't deviate um, at all. I got to take issue though with this whole, with this whole thing about the romance of this movie. Like they're the central romance between, between, uh, snow and lucy gray is so abruptly ended and make it makes no sense like at one point Mm -hmm. they're running off together and then the next minute i I think he might have killed her i don't know the movie is very vague about uh, where the story ends and it's really a bizarre series of choices at the end that really uh, takes an already not great experience and just turns it into something that's uh, bo- that borders on se- severely bad. Uh, if it weren't for Peter Dinklage and, and the soundtrack, I would say that this is kind of a bad movie, but it's more of a mediocre movie overall, and uh, that's really where, where I land on it. It's, it's highly, highly produced mediocrity. Mm-hmm. No, I, now I, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just to say, in the book that explains what, you know, like did he kill her or did he not or what happened? Um, it's better explained in the book, but it's not still not satisfying. Uh, and unless you can hear everybody talking in this one scene, you don't understand what's going, you know, what's going on with her at the end of the movie. So I did not see it. Josh, I'm assuming you didn't either. Were you were a fan of this the franchise though? Were you looking forward to this one? Well, you you may I may be misquoting myself, or you may not be remembering. I, I'm not a fan of this. Oh. Uh, 
our theories. And in fact, the first one bored me. The second one, which I I couldn't get into the theater because it was so darn popular. They sold out at Regal back when it came out. I only saw Mockingjay Part 1 and said, I'm, I'm done. I, I just have no interest in continuing. Uh, there's a lot of little uh, Josh-isms about the franchise that drew me away from it, including uh-huh. things like the font of the franchise. So, you know, don't mind me. I'm just the kind of guy you don't want to ask no, about That's what this we needed. Thing. We needed a font comment. That's what we brought here. <laughs> yeah, the font. They used, out of all of the artists in the world who could literally create a font for them, the book has an entirely uh, created font that they could have used, but no. They used the same one as X-Men Origins Wolverine and went with that. I mean, you know, screw the Hunger Games. No offense. I <laughs> love uh, the fact that everybody else. All right. Where do we want to go next? You want to go next goal uh, wins, the holdovers, or do you want to go? Because it's, uh, I'm, probably, I'm the only one who saw this, right? So, yeah. Uh, Next Goal Wins, uh, directed by Taika Waititi and starring Michael Fassbender, is based on a true story of a guy... Uh, by the name of uh, Thomas Rongen, who was a Dutch soccer coach who was controversial. He was angry. He was kind of the Bobby Knight of soccer, if you will. Uh, he liked to throw chairs and throw tantrums and gets himself fired. And uh, his only option is to take a job uh, with the worst soccer team in the world, that of uh, American Samoa. Not to be confused with the independent nation of Samoa. They're two different things. American Samoa is a tiny little island that is uh, kind of like Puerto Rico. It's a a part of the United States, but not a part of the United States. They have their own uh, soccer team, and they've never scored a goal. Their most famous, uh, their most famous aspect is that they got beat thirty-one to nothing in World Cup qualifying play back in two thousand and two. That is their claim to fame. So the the, uh, the the fun here is that they set the bar so very very low to start. Like they're not even trying to win a game; they just want to score a goal. <laughs> That's the only thing that he's got to teach these guys is how to score one goal in international competition. This movie is very sweet. It's very fu- uh, it's, it's very funny. Uh, it's it's a very warm movie. Uh, you know, it's a sports film that has a you know pretty pretty easy to determine outcome, but also like uh, because the stakes are so low, that doesn't really matter. So you can focus on these characters. And one of the wonderful characters in this movie is uh, played by an actress uh, named Kamana, uh, who is a trans actress. And this is based on a true story. There was a trans player on the American Samoa soccer team who has gone on to become an advocate for, for uh, trans uh, sports uh, uh, worldwide. And it's really, it's, this is a wonderful war- performance. There are so many great things about American Samoa. They don't see trans people uh, the way that, you know, so many people do. They, they look at trans people or just gay people in general in American Samoa as just a part of the cultural fabric. It's just, it, it makes the world a little bit more interesting. And that is such a wonderful way to, to treat that. And so when she's, on the soccer team, nobody blinks an eye. There's no controversy about it. They welcome her. She's part of the team. She's the team captain. Uh, and, it, and just seeing that is just so heartwarming. It's so beautiful. And this movie really handles that well. Take a Waititi is a, is a very good director. And uh, this, is a, this is a very slight movie, but it's a very fun, sweet, funny movie. No, I like Taika's movies uh, generally. Uh, but I did not get a chance to go see this one. Did anybody else see Next Goal Wins? I tried. Yeah. 
Uh, what about the holdover? With, with Foss, I'm sorry. Uh, with Fassbender as a lead, though, that definitely draws me to it. And uh, last night, I almost clicked on, on Rent for Jojo Rabbit uh, just to kind of uh, finally see that and see Taika stuff that, that isn't Thor Ragnarok, etc. Oh, you haven't seen Jojo Rabbit? No, not that, not Hunt for the Wilder People. Um, Mute his mic. Mute his mic. Mute his mic. Yeah, that's one of Ben's favorite movies, though, actually. Uh, So he's been recommending it to me for some time. That's cool. Uh, The Holdovers. The Holdovers is uh, directed by Alexander Payne, best known, of course, for Sideways, among many other brilliant films. And uh, starring Paul Giamatti, Divine Joy Randolph, and a young man named Dominic Sessa. Uh, the story goes that uh, Paul Giamatti is a character who's uh, he's a teacher at a prestigious academy called Barton Academy. That's his entire personality and his entire life. Uh, he's very mean. Uh, he doesn't like, he takes things very, very seriously and is prepared to fail his entire class if he feels like it. Uh, he's the most hated teacher in school. He ends up having to stay during the holidays because, well, he wasn't going anywhere anyway. He doesn't have a life. Uh, and uh, he ends up having to watch over five kids who are called the holdovers, kids who don't have any place to go during the holidays. But four of those kids will actually find a place to go during the holidays and will be left with one, uh, which is played by Dominic Sessa. Uh, and they're going to bond. Now, this sounds a little bit easy and familiar, but there, there, there are themes here that Alexander Payne is playing on that he's played on in pretty much every one of his movies, and that is finding people who are in this comfortable rut that they would very much like to stay in and pushing them out of that rut and into the world where they have to experience things and take risks and, and feel things that maybe they don't want to feel. And that is really a, a strong theme that perhaps uh, when it comes to Alexander Payne, this might be his best expression of that uh, particular theme of getting people out of their comfort zone and uh, the the way that uh, you know avoiding pain is can be just as painful as pain itself. Uh, trying to hide from the world is uh, nearly impossible, and that's the that's the message here. And it, it's a really good message. It really plays out incredibly well. Divine Joy Randolph is the uh, school cook, and she has family that she could have gone home to. She's the head cook. She could have assigned somebody else. She stayed because. Her son has recently died in Vietnam, set in 1970, and her her sister, who she was going to see, is about to have a baby. She feels like, obviously, that reflects she just lost her child. Her sister is welcoming a child. That is a very difficult emotional situation, uh, and her trying to figure out a way to get past that to be happy for her sister. Again, that's just part of this wonderful journey, and Divine Joy Randolph should be nominated for Best Supporting Actor and Actress and even win. She's just that brilliant in this movie. Paul Giamatti also, obviously, Dominic Sessa could also be in the running for Academy Award nominations, and this is, you know, some of Alexander Payne's best work. I mean, honestly, maybe his best uh, since Sideways. And I've heard that I mean, everybody thinks Oppenheimer is going to win the Oscar. Maybe the Killers of the Flower Moon, but this could be the sleeper that uh, comes through and wins the whole thing. Is that a possibility? It's a possibility. I don't think it's the best movie of the year. I think well, it's. No. I think it's. Uh, I think it's a very good movie. I, th- I think it. 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 Uh, it ranks pretty high for me. But it's. Uh, it's not. 
it's not past lives or Bo is afraid, which I think are the two best movies of the year. Uh, but it, it's it's a solid, well made movie. And like I said, it's it's a it's the best that Alexander Payne has made in a while. And considering Alexander Payne is very very good, uh, that says a lot. Have I seen Past Lives? I feel like <laughs> <laughs> you should see Past Lives. Oh, but I haven't yet. Okay, everyone should see Past Lives. It's incredible. Oh, you're right. I actually have pushed it ahead of Bo is Afraid as my favorite movie of the year. Ooh, controversy. I know. Well, you haven't seen Thanksgiving <laughs> yet, though. That's. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you want to take on Thanksgiving? Oh, uh, man, this movie was great. Uh, yeah. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, Thanksgiving is the. It's kind of the remake of the trailer that Eli Roth did for the Grindhouse uh, release, uh, what, 16 years ago? Um, Sure. That was one of the fake trailers that ran between Planet Terror and Death Proof. Um, I think we're down to like one or two trailers that haven't been made into actual movies, Machete. Um, Don't, and that's the zombie one. Yeah. Yeah. it, it's the story of in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Uh, it takes place at Thanksgiving a year ago. It's kind of when it starts. And the local pseudo Walmart is being is opening on Thanksgiving. And there are is there a mad crowd. Uh, basically, they break through the barriers. People are trampled to death. Um, and... The, a year later, everybody is kind of hoping it doesn't, you know, they're not going to be open. And people start being murdered by uh, somebody in a John Carver mask. John Carver was the first mayor of uh, the Plymouth Colony uh, from the Mayflower. And he's a big deal in this town. Well, somebody puts on a John Carver mask and goes to carving. Um, it's... A throwback to 80 slashers that, you know, the hollow, the Halloween Friday, the 13th style, uh, holiday slashers. Um, it's just so much fun. It's got a great cast. Um, you want to talk about it, Bob, and then I'll come back and gush yeah, some more. Eli Roth <laughs> nailed the tone, which I think is something he's missed, uh, on other movies. Uh, but, but it's the perfect amount of fun, gross and, uh, I don't know the whole thing. It really, it's the best thing he's ever done by a lot. Uh, yeah. I think Sean would have liked it. Uh, I really, I mean, I really think he would have, <laughs> it, it's really, it really is that much fun. Yeah. This is the most fun I've had in a horror movie in a long time. Probably since terrifier two for me, where Sean and I went to Peoria for it. Uh, it's yeah. that good. Interesting. Yeah, he doesn't hate women in this one, I promise. <laughs> uh, yeah, he j- it's it's just balls to the wall. It's just like once it starts, it keeps going. There's no real downtime in it. Um, a lot of the, the moments, the best moments from the fake trailer are in this. Um, there's lots of decapitations and blood and what you want uh, from a slasher movie. Yeah, it's what torture. Also, it has a cameo be. by Lynn Griffin. Yes, 
That's what torture porn should be. Uh, <laughs> anyway, those are the new movies this week. Uh, it is episode 600. We got Josh back. Josh, what have you been up to? What have you been watching? In terms of movies, uh, I just kind of went back a couple of months to see what have I watched that's been new. And, I mean, the list actually got pretty long. Um, I've been using the Letterboxd app, and I'm not sure if any of you have been doing that yourself. Um, But since I've gotten into it, it's really created a pretty good truncated database of what I've seen, and I'm able to make lists and create something of a diary. Um, I already do such a thing with movie tickets. I keep something of a diary with that, but this is a good way to use it. So in the past couple of months, I've seen things like uh, the typical ones that I would see, like the Marvels, of course, um, and the killer, of course. But also I've gone back and filled in some gaps with like uh, Renfield and 30 Days of Night going really far back, mm-hmm. stuff that I hadn't seen before. Um, color Out of Space, yes. <laughs> which was wild (laughs) just absolutely wild and i still don't quite know what took place all i know is that it was very visually interesting uh game night and i don't know if you guys remember that that yeah that was actually a hell of a lot of fun um and at the end of it uh my son looks at me and says so you're basically just jason bateman all the time (laughs) which (laughs) was a was a compliment but also i get exactly (laughs) what you say um and another one that I'll mention just off this list, a couple, um, Don't Breathe, I watched last night for the first time. And, whoa, I was actually kind of surprised by how hard that one went. It makes me feel uh, even stronger about the Fetty Alvarez Alien movie that's coming out next year. And uh, last I'll mention Skinamarink. Now, this is this is such a divisive movie, and some people just absolutely hate it. Now, Jeff, I've already talked to you about it. I know that you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand exactly why you do it. We talked about it at length. Um, but uh, my son was just kind of effusive about it and said that it was the first movie that had bothered him in such a long time. And he's such a horror fanatic now. It's pretty much exclusively what he watches. For something to affect him, I figured, all right, uh, I hate that word. I hate that stupid little kid's song. There was no way I was going to see this movie unless somebody important to me recommended it. Uh, And I did, and I had a pretty similar experience to him, which is wild. Um, I think it has a lot to do with how it reminded me of my childhood. Um, The house that it was filmed in, uh, despite the the overly pregnant pauses. I mean, this movie was pregnant with triplets in terms of pauses, Uh, just holding the camera on certain shots. It affected me pretty deeply, actually. Um, And and it sticks with me actually a little bit. And of all of the films I've seen in the past three months, uh, I would say that I enjoyed the killer and game night the most. And, uh, Skinamarink is is right up there. In terms of one that I enjoyed the least that I saw, I would say 65. I finally got to that Adam Driver strange science fiction thing, whatever the hell is going on there. Um, (laughs) And uh, let's see. I I got to Whiplash again for the first time since Bob and Sean and I watched it in Sean's apartment way back when. Uh, 
And I found myself getting so mad at the film again, I, just how terrible J.K. Simmons is to Miles Teller. And I think my son saw a new side of me. He, he finally saw outwardly and viscerally how much I cannot stand bullies. And yeah, I, I got mad at the movie, but he loves that movie so much. It's in his top five Um and he gives it five stars and everything. And it just makes me wonder, hmm, is he growing up to be the Miles Teller? Is he going to be great at something in particular? Or does he have something that he sees in J.K. Simmons? Anyways, uh, that's kind of the lineup of what I've seen over the past couple of months. And I miss being at the theater all the time. Uh, so hard. And since we last talked, uh, Regal closed and Moline. And that was, I mean, these, these places are, are pieces of our life. They're, they're cathedrals in their own particular way. And uh, I felt pretty similar about Regal that I did with Showcase Cinemas Milan. And it's not like this is unique to our area. I get that. But I really am going to miss that theater. Um, I'm going to the AMC in Galesburg exclusively now have their um, uh, the A-list plan so that you can pay a little bit and then see up to three each week. And uh, my son is getting absolute value out of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but movie watching has changed now. You know, I've got to make a commitment to drive a half hour if I want to go see something brand new. Um, part of the reason I have that plan is to encourage me to use it. And I'm really just trying to fill in gaps, uh, stuff that you guys have recommended. Uh, specifically, I'll go to your podcast first if I'm <laughs> trying to get the the vibe on something, because all three of you bring a different perspective to the table, of course. But it, it's been uh, it's been such a weird last year without theater. <clears throat> well, and. You know, I thought I was going to get away without having to see Skinnamarink. Now I might have to. <laughs> I was just going to take their word for it. Uh, uh, have you heard her episode about the killer yet? I haven't listened to that one yet. No, um, you, I'm actually. Have you read Sean's I'm going review? Going back all the way to March to catch up for this year, but go ahead. Have you read Sean's review of it at all? No, I haven't. Do you think it's a comedy? A oh, it could very well be considered a comedy. When I was watching it, I said um, across the room, hey, kiddo, if you really want to know what American Psycho is like, basically take the tone of this one and, uh, you know, maybe amp it up a bit. Uh, that was how I felt it a lot of times watching this, that it was a... Uh, a less explosive performance out of Fassbender, N not a lot of over-the-top stuff, but also still the same dry humor. And there were spots that I laughed that I probably shouldn't have been laughing at. <clears throat> yeah. Classic Fincher sense of humor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, that, I enjoyed that conversation with Sean. Uh, I thought we had a little fun with that one, and I'm curious your opinion. Uh let me know around April or May when he gets to it. <laughs> now, Josh, I got to ask, how did you feel about the Marvels? I liked Marvels. Uh, 
walked in with all of the uh, the knowledge of the vitriol and you guys have known me for quite a while now and you know that uh well i mean i just freaking said it i don't like bullying <laughs> and and really this is it's a fine movie i don't see literally anything wrong with it it just doesn't necessarily break a mold with superhero films it doesn't necessarily make me um say gosh i'm going to put that one right alongside the dark knight trilogy or wonder woman or spider-man no way home or something like that that i i have really high up on the superhero list but that being said i don't find anything literally objectionable about it at all and so from my perspective being that hateful about it and and rooting for the failure of it is very specific to these three actresses and very specific to a particular thing that isn't harming anyone, AKA having three women lead a movie in a, in a display of sisterhood. That's really what they're pissed off about. And I don't know. um, It's reaching sort of a breaking point. Don't you think Uh, the whole bullshit bullying thing uh, and enjoying the failures of uh the quote unquote woke agenda mm-hmm. everything that somebody doesn't like is woke and uh if i hear that word one more time i mean <laughs> <laughs> you i'm sure i know that you guys have talked about that kind of stuff before but mm-hmm. uh, with this one it seems far more deliberate the the attacks than any film i've seen well yeah i i think sean brought up last week is like I'm not gonna go see it because I'm I'm superhero and movied out. You guys yep. know that about me, <laughs> but I can't say that because I don't want to be caught up in the <laughs> hating it for uh, the same reason the non woke people are hating it. <laughs> Sorry, that was just to be annoying. Yeah, uh, the thing of it is, is that there are a lot of people who are like Bob who are just tired of superhero movies. But somebody was trying to say on social media today that. That uh, well, you can't say this is based off of uh, based off of hatred of women or, or anti-feminism or anything because Barbie is the biggest movie in the world. Barbie is a phenomenon that went beyond its normal audience. It just is a, it's a thing that exists of itself. It's not something that would be definitive of saying that oh well, women are acceptable in movies as leads now in, in hit movies. The bottom line is with this movie is that there are so many people who worked very very hard to make it seem uncool to see a movie with three female leads uh, as superheroes. They, they made it uncool for little boys to see that. And that is that has a long-term effect that is severely fucked up. That, that you're going to teach, that you're going to tell your boy children not to go see a superhero movie because it has three female leads. That says way too much about our culture. And trying to pretend that that's not true is, is really just as harmful. Well, in the... There was still pushback against the Barbie movie. The difference was the Barbie movie was so big, it was like Taylor Swift big, that you know that it kind of got drowned out. But that's I don't know. That's a stupid comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, you just you can't you can't make that comparison. It doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't work at all. It's like saying racism <laughs> doesn't exist because Obama was president. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. Well, the good thing is, you know, we we were um, we were spared a forty-five minute long Ben Shapiro review on the Marvels, at least. Whereas <laughs> we were not spared 
for Barbie. So there, there are some good things that come out of it. I just like that he did have to buy a ticket for it. So good for him. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, I've been, oh, God, that makes me climax. <laughs> uh, oh, I like the fact better that the more he does that kind of shit, the more people realize what a fucking idiot he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you had a chance to see Oppenheimer or Barbie, Josh? I have seen. Yeah, I've seen Oppenheimer. Um, not Barbie yet. I'm I'm looking forward to being able to watch that um, at home with my girlfriend. I believe it should be on uh, Max at some point, and I have access to Max. Um, if it's not already on there for free, it's on there for pay right now or something like that. Uh, but Oppenheimer, I really enjoyed. Um, the thing about that one, it's I don't really find myself going back to that unless I'm interested in the uh, the the design of Oppenheimer, be it the music, the special effects, uh, camera work, etc. Uh, I guess performance-wise, it's all very solid. It's just one of those things where I don't need to see it again. Um, Boy, it was sure loud, though, and I enjoyed that one. Um, that AMC that I was talking about, they have a pretty decent uh, sound system, and I sat on the far right side of the theater, right up next to some speakers, and as I was hoping for with a Nolan movie, uh, my brain was blown out the back of my head. That's exactly what I'm hoping for when I go see something for Christopher Nolan. But I'm very much looking forward to Barbie. Well, it was actually a Christopher Nolan movie I liked, so there's <laughs> that. <laughs> even better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even oh, better. Good God. Well, let's talk about Interstellar again. Um, no. <laughs> hey, I just got my Canvas Interstellar 11 by 17 poster in yesterday. Nice. Uh, sorry, I, I gotta I ask you to unmute, Josh. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I think that's what happened. I jumped a little bit. Bob is muting me, talking about Interstellar, 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 Interstellar. It's a piece of shit, terrible movie that's made really well. Jeff, it gets like better every time you watch it. <laughs> Jeff, did you like Interstellar? Oh my god, that movie was the most perfect movie that ever movied. I'm just kidding. Lies. Uh, that's funny. Any of you joined the A24 club? No, what's that? I have no idea. I saw it on Instagram, so I clicked on it, and they sent me a card in the mail today. Uh, nice. I don't know what it does, and I got this little book about Brendan Fraser. A24 <laughs> issue 20. <laughs> Let me sign up right now. And Actually, Bob, does that give pin. you uh, Yeah, does that give you access as a club member to um, purchase exclusives before the public? Probably. Uh, you, okay. And I ask that because some of these uh, these movies that they release it end, they end up becoming uh, collector's items almost immediately, and the resale value of those is pretty high. So as a speculator, perhaps that's going to work out for you. Well, the problem is I don't pay attention, and I just happen to accidentally see this. So by the time something pops up, I mean, I know we've joked about trying to, I think, I don't know, there's been different things from like midsummer or whatever that go for yeah. sale, and then they sell out before you can even buy them. 
uh, you know, I, I'll have to get lucky <laughs> and <laughs> happen to see it pop up at the right time. Uh, but anyway, I'm a member of the A24 club. Uh, did you get to see any of the big uh, Oscar movies from last year, like uh, like The Whale? I did not see The Whale, uh, but I, I've heard a couple things about that. And the performances of Frasier, of course, is, is lauded, but overall the film doesn't hit for some people. And Aronofsky has admittedly, I mean, I've seen everything he's done. It's a real touch-and-go situation with him. So I'm not drawn to that one like I would be, say, a Fincher movie, um, despite the skill that, that Aronofsky has. Uh, what did you guys think of it, though? Because I can't remember the overall opinion. We I hated it. I never saw it <laughs> because they hated it. <laughs> yeah, Jeff and I really were not uh, not fans of the movie, if I recall correctly, Jeff. Yeah, you're, you do correct. correct. It's a- it's a mean-spirited movie. That's the thing. Is that it's 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 as much as it's like Brendan Fraser delivering a, a a pretty incredible performance. The movie is incredibly mean to him, and uh, that just that just uh, it it in that way you were talking about bullying before. It feels like this guy is being bullied for being overweight throughout the entire movie. Like they made a movie to make fun of a fat guy. Isn't he not a great person? <laughs> though so, i mean i haven't seen it so it was, isn't he like an absentee father or something like that yeah he's not a great person there's elements of his life that you could have absolutely you know talk about that are uh worth you know bullying him over i guess but but not his weight yeah i but again i haven't seen it probably never will because <laughs> Unless Josh sees it and says, you need to see this movie. It's amazing. (laughs) Okay, fine. One of them said, go watch it. Uh, Highly unlikely. Aronofsky uh, still is responsible for the single most emotional experience at the theater I've had. uh, Seeing Requiem for a Dream by myself uh, (laughs) at a 1030 showing at night and having to return back to my dorm room and do homework feeling like the world is going to end at any moment. I mean, he has the power to make me feel strong emotions. And I don't know, it doesn't sound like something I want to venture into. Yeah, even Mother had us with strong emotions on the episode that week. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, that was right. <laughs> Jeff brings that up on occasion. <laughs> uh, My son has actually seen that by now, and he was like eight years old when that came out. Wow. And... Uh, uh, yeah, he every once in a while says something about, well, if we can't find anything to eat, I guess we could always seek out a baby like Aronofsky. <laughs> okay. But my nephew saw it, and uh, he was uh, basically, he, he, was, he was traumatized. Uh, he had, uh, he's in film class now and uh, taking, taking a film course, and they showed Mother, and uh, he's basically wanting to go into therapy. <laughs> Speaking of traumatizing therapy, I think the last time I saw you was when we all came out of Bo is Afraid. And yes. that has one of the most awkward sex scenes in the world. And you're sitting there next to your, what, 15-year-old son? He's He was officially um, 16 at the time. Oh, 16. He's now 17. How? Uh, describe that, uh, <laughs> that emotion in that moment. 
I, I guess. I got it. I got it. Think of Mariah Carey here. Uh, he did the brave thing uh, afterwards in the car. He says, well, you know, it's not every day that you go to a movie and you deal with uh, something, something penis or whatever. And I said, all right, I guess this is the kind of relationship we are going to have. Whereas my dad never said the word penis or cock or whatever to me. All of a sudden, uh, he's fine about talking about what we just saw. Uh, my mother would cover my eyes if something like that happened. So, uh yeah, it makes for an awkward conversation. He says that it's the best film he's seen this year, so way to go indoctrinating my child, guys. <laughs> yeah, I I'm I haven't gone back to it yet. because uh, I don't wanna I don't know that I need to. You know, the experience was enough, uh but maybe someday I will. I uh, will say this, it was really neat being there. Uh that seemed like uh for an independent film, it really had an event vibe to it. And uh, seeing you guys coming out of the theater, which I didn't know for sure that you'd be there, uh, that was actually a real treat. Yeah. So I don't know if I said it at the time, but it was good good to see you all there. The stars aligned. I wish they would align more often, though, because that was a fun conversation afterwards and a small hangout. Uh, and they just... <laughs> Not a lot of movies that make you want to all be there at the same time. It's true. <laughs> Very true. Uh, what's Ben yeah, Mendelsohn? I, I actually, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, Sean, I actually wish I'd seen uh, Thanksgiving in the same theater as you, as opposed to Me Hunter too. Games. <laughs> I wish I could have been there with Sean, too. Just because I'm curious. Because he could have hated it. But there is a level of fun there that I think he would have appreciated. Well, it's because Eli Roth knows exactly what he's doing, mm-hmm. and he know he. I listened to uh, his interview with um, Mick Garris uh, the next day. I might, when I was driving to Chicago, and he just it's it's like he just loved the idea so much. So, I Sean, you got to see it. Even if we don't talk about it on the show, just if you're not doing anything <laughs> on Thanksgiving, go see it. I might go see it again. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He's so. Uh, sometimes that's Eli Ross' problem is he's too aware of everything. But in, I, I just I think with Thanksgiving he had it perfect. I'm not boycotting it or anything. I, I know. just had a, I was sick this afternoon, so <laughs> guys, I, I need to chime in with this. This is very relevant. Um, I thought that Ben had seen Thanksgiving because he had told me that last uh, last Friday night when I saw him. He actually was watching Thanks Killing that night. <laughs> gobble, gobble, motherfucker. That's right. But he says in a text that I just got, no, that was Thanks Killing. I'm actually taking mom to see Thanksgiving tomorrow night. Listen, my ex-wife, his mother, she is going to absolutely freak out when she watches an <laughs> Eli Roth film for the first time. So instead of warning him, I'm letting this one go for fun <laughs> and then you need to see it to see some of the things that he's showing her because you're oh, yeah. gonna enjoy oh, yeah. it that much more uh now it's not even a movie it's just an experience that's gonna be funny i just want to start saying things that happen in it but i won't i i talked to a i talked to a lot of people at days of the dead this weekend and like said did you see it and about half the people i talked to had seen it and 
to a person loved it. Um, even people who aren't big slasher fans loved it. So I can't say enough good things about it. I want to watch it again on Thanksgiving. It did. It did well, at least in terms of an Eli Roth movie. It's it's his highest grossing film since Hostel. So there's that. But and Knock Knock didn't go to theaters. And uh, uh, Green Inferno was a bomb. But uh, yeah, this Inferno's one terrible. Yeah, it is. Uh, the, all of his movies are terrible until now, apparently. Not the cock movie. The one with huh? clocks on the walls or whatever the hell we liked that. Okay, I, like that. I don't remember. I have no memory of that movie. Oh, you, honestly, you were like you couldn't stop praising it. It was amazing. Oh, was it? I, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's the best you know, I rock movie. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, uh, Josh, of course, the twentieth uh, anniversary of a fa- of a fame movie on this podcast this year. Uh, old boy turned twenty this year. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, of course, of course, that has to be the one thing. But actually, over time, I've come to realize that's actually like my personality in a snapshot. Um, uh, and I keep re- going back to Ben because really at this point, I'm living sort of a film experience through him. It's mm-hmm. almost like, uh, you know, watching a kid play sports that you played. Uh, he badly wants to watch Old Boy. And I keep telling him. Nah, you don't need to. But now that he's 17, like he doesn't have to worry about that at the theater. So why would I stop him? Well, he's still under my roof. Uh, <laughs> so I, I've been telling him, hey, you know what? Uh, there are certain things that you should just wait until college for. You experience with friends and you enjoy them. That's my way of uh, getting around the no situation. So I'm telling him to wait on things that he'll understand better later. It's your way of saying, Dad, what happened in this? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, make him watch Salo nothing. first and then like Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> then he can go to, oh boy. <clears throat> yeah, I'm just going to sit down and watch Salo. Yeah, tomorrow's <laughs> Thanksgiving or Thursday. Uh, yeah. the hell? <laughs> That's a perfect family. Show it to the whole family. Salo and, and Hereditary are like the perfect Thanksgiving movies. <laughs> and for Christmas, because, we'll go with a Serbian film. <laughs> exactly. No, that's Easter. I haven't um, seen that one yet. <laughs> oh, <geez>. oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but you have, you rewatched Hereditary and your feelings have changed a little bit about that. Is that accurate or? Yeah, I should go. I should mention that um, on January first of this year, I was actually oh boy, the, I won't explain the day I had, but let's just say it's it's probably a third one of the three worst days that I've had as a human being. That aside, um, that night I stayed with my son and we watched Hereditary because I said I don't know, kid, just put on whatever you want to. And he says, you want to watch Hereditary again? I said, why? Now, from his perspective, he's just like, let's watch a good movie. You say that you've been willing to give it another chance. Uh, from my perspective, I'm like, you're, so you're just going to go ahead and pile it on. I see. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if it was the, the day. I don't know if it was the fact that it was one in the morning when we were watching it. But 
it really got to me this time. Um, it wasn't because I knew the filmmaking was sublime. Let's be honest. I, I know that Ari Aster is a good filmmaker. I know that he is one of the few folks, uh, movies of his that I've seen that really pay attention so hard that you can just, the craftsmanship oozes off of the screen. And this time I already knew that one. And I kind of just let it happen a little bit, knowing that twist, um, it, not necessarily. I mean, I think you know what I mean. I was talking right. about how the film sort of disappointed me originally for being, oh, it it is this, it's just this, etc. Knowing that this time, that level of slight disappointment was evaporated, and I just let the film happen. And I realized how just tightly wound that whole thing is watching everybody downward spiral just a little bit and a little bit until it just leaves their grasp the whole thing is just it's like watching somebody clench their fist for two hours and huh, it actually somehow was a, a bit of a therapeutic watch <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to maybe someday what I'm feeling like, I want to watch good filmmaking, even though it's not necessarily all going to be my favorite. And an Ari Aster day um, with uh, Midsummer and and maybe Bo's Afraid, I come back to it at some point. And whatever <laughs> shit he pulls out <laughs> next time that's nightmare. Watch his shorts, short films, <laughs> which I heard but they're yeah, pretty messed up. But yeah, it to be pretty, pretty darn effective this time, and... I think it seemed pretty clear to me that if I was wrong on something on the podcast, I, I wanted to make sure that I an, admitted it freely because I'm not, I'm not a professional. I'm just a guy that watches a lot and has a brain full of useless knowledge. Uh, but that one I was wrong about and I didn't hate it the first time around. I just wasn't, you know, put it number one on my list like you guys were, um, but this time, I think I really saw it for the high quality quality that it was, and it did deeply affect me. I was gonna say awesome, the but crawling on but the the ceiling crawling still uh, that's a that's a problem for me. I, whoever <laughs> does that in a movie, it's always creepy. But this is the that's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob. Uh, now the real reason Josh is here. Let's let him and Jeff talk about Star Wars media for a little bit. Cool. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Part, let me change my trajectory. I'll go. I'll go sit in the figure room. <laughs> you guys can't see oh, this, but oh. Bob's face right now is priceless. Well, the, there's actually a figure room. <laughs> uh, hi, where am I sitting, Bob? I know. I, I've got my revolving. Here. I've got my revolving Star Wars tree behind me. But I say that every week. <laughs> you never just get up and move room to room, <laughs> depending on the conversation. This is true. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Josh, I was kidding. So no. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. Okay. Right, I'll I'm go not back to gonna... No, no, you go, go ahead. my head. Go and ahead. Then go back to the table. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You two. Uh, I'm sure there's something you two both. <laughs> so have you guys seen the um, documentary actually, Sly they're... yet? <laughs> <laughs> Dick. No, but it actually sounds interesting. I'd love to watch both that and the Arnold one. Yeah. Back to back. 
Yeah, really. However, would you watch them other than back to back? Actually, there is there's Star Wars news today. Um, I'm sure, Jeff, that you saw that Dave Filoni is the chief creative officer for Lucasfilm now. And I mean, that seems to be kind of like a given, but it's nice to see them recognize what he has done thus far. Um, I haven't talked to you, I don't think, about all of Ahsoka yet. Do you have a final thought on that? Um, wait, Ahsoka or Rebel Season 5? <laughs> okay, see, that's very fair. It basically is Rebel Season 5, and we've lost both Bob and Sean. They are gone from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just reading about Brendan Fraser. Sorry. Bob's <laughs> reading his Brendan Fraser book. What is an Ahsoka? Oh, Sean. Sean Sean had the AT-AT when I was growing up, and I was older than him, and I was jealous. Yeah. But, no, I love Star Wars. I just don't watch the TV shows. You should. They're really good. <laughs> Especially Andor, and I like Obi-Wan. Um, I, I feel like it's just more fuel to the, oh my god, they're going to fire Kathleen Kennedy tomorrow, fire. Um, but who puts him in charge is Kathleen Kennedy. It's like all these chuds don't understand that everything you hate about star Wars is Kathleen Kennedy, but everything you love is Kathy Kennedy. Even, you know, she hires Favreau and Filoni and you know, that that's what everybody wants. Yeah. I suppose if, if he, if she doesn't have um, a full, leading voice on creative decisions then okay that probably benefits fans the most because folks that have been uh invested in it for years and years and years and years and it's been you know on their heads when they go to bed as kids and then as teenagers they have uh thoughts about it and as adults they show their kids these things these are the people that are making them now and that sounds great um it doesn't matter what happens. I'm still going to watch it if it's Star Wars. It does not matter. I, for one, am more excited about the next uh, movie in the series, however, than probably anything else, even though Thrawn is on our screen finally. Uh, Ray being able to be in another movie with the new Jedi order. I mean, again, just things that make me climax. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that that was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Daisy Ridley is coming back to star Wars. Um, Bob, what do you think? Who's Daisy Ridley? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we saw that one coming from a mile. (laughs) This is Ben Mendelsohn in any of these movies. (laughs) Indeed, he is. This is Daisy Ridley, and, and eventually I could show you Ben Mendelsohn, but he's got a new figure. I'm waiting for it to come in the mail. Jeff, do you have that one yet? You have the new Krennic? No, I, I don't have a new Krennic yet. I last week opened up a ton of new figures that I've been just with my last job. I didn't have time to do anything, and then when I quit that job, I was like, "Oh, I can I can open my figures." So I am currently waiting to go to my sister's for Thanksgiving to pick up my uh, retro collection Yak Face um, oh. uh, and Mon Mothma that I think I might just open the figures that, you know, I was, I was kind of saving all the box sets and whatever, but 
Uh, I I think I'm just going to go ahead and open that because I uh, that's the only way I'm getting a yak face in my collection at this point. I can't pay seven hundred dollars yeah. for it. Yeah. So do you have do you have cow foot though? I don't think you do. Sean, I'm going to kick your fucking ass. Oh, <laughs> prune face, yak yes. face, hammerhead, walrus yep. man, aka vagina mouth. You know, stuff like yeah. that. I have, I have Bob, all okay. of those. That was awesome. Bob's face right there. He did like a dog thing where it went, huh? <laughs> Are these things real? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bob, do you I want do to have flick charts now? I have six <laughs> Funko Pops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, new job, where I'm not going to say where it is, but my new job that I just t- I started last week, uh, I will have access to toys. So, oh, oh, with a discount. Well then, oh, so I'm going to be broke as broke as hell, but I'm much happier that I'm not going to be on my knees all day. Shut up, Shauna Bob. <laughs> Oh, Je- Jeff's going to become Josh's new dealer. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. I'll see you in the alley. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Let me get my knee pads again. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, things that hey, have the happened. things I'll do for figures. <laughs> uh, since you left, Josh, our flick chart. Uh, all time list has changed a little bit, and one time Sean dropped off, so Jeff and I had a little fun as well. So, uh, <laughs> our number one movie of all time is Midsommar. Uh, Almost Famous is right there. Texas Chance Massacre. Old Boy is number four. Uh, <laughs> Everything Everywhere All at Once is number five, and The Exorcist is number six against uh, Sean's wow. wishes. Uh. <laughs> That's what you get for leaving early, Sean. With Boas Afraid and Hereditary at seven and eight, Batman is number nine and High Fidelity ten. Uh, no, I can't see that. Is that the eighty nine Batman? I yeah. do not know. I'm assuming. I think so. Yeah, it is. I would be amazed if it wasn't. <laughs> yes, it is. I, I consider myself personally responsible for that, even though it's been over four years. Awesome. Well, guess what we're doing? Yes! Oh, shit! (laughs) Batman or Scream 4? Batman! I'm going Batman as well. Yeah, the dog said Batman also, so that (laughs) totally... Batman is the better movie, but I love Scream 4. It's one of the better ones in the franchise. Sean? Oh, Batman, yeah. Okay. Batman or 21? Batman. Batman. Yeah. Batman. Ooh, this will be tough for Sean. (laughs) Batman or Secret of the Ooze. I know. (laughs) You were the first Turtles. It might be a different story, but Batman. Batman here, although it does lack vanilla ice. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We're stuck with Prince instead of vanilla ice. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Batman, <laughs> Silver Linings Playbook. Batman. Batman. I'm going Silver Linings Playbook. I love that movie. Batman, Ghostbusters. Batman. Batman. 
Batman. Yeah. Batman 28 weeks later. Batman. 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 Agreed. Batman the Star is Born 2018. Batman. Batman. It's Batman, even though Star is Born was my number one that year. I'll go with Star is Born. I love that movie. Batman or Goodfellas? Goodfellas. Batman. Batman. Oh, where's the fucking quarter at? <laughs> oh, broke. <laughs> and the winner is Goodfellas. What does your dog say? <laughs> hey, Arnie, would you prefer Batman or Goodfellas? The dog says nothing. So clearly we're undecided. <laughs> What did the coin say, Bob? Uh, it says I don't have a coin. Here, <laughs> I'll tell you. Heads is Batman, tails is Goodfellas. Batman! Yay! Uh, yay! Batman or the Exorcist? Batman. <laughs> Batman. Exorcist. Uh, Exorcist. <laughs> you control Sorry, the Sean. coin, Jeff. Tails it is. <laughs> <laughs> It is Tails. Yes. <laughs> Batman Hereditary. 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 <laughs> Batman. No, that's cool. Hereditary it is. Batman High Fidelity. High Fidelity. Batman. Batman. High Fidelity. <laughs> we tied again. <laughs> Batman. It remains, or I guess it knocked. No, it was at number nine all along. It was nine, yeah. All right, it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> what a waste of time. Uh, <laughs> no, we now we know a little bit more, more about each other <laughs> and the dog. Now let's run Interstellar. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. As long as it doesn't be Rocky, I'm okay. <clears throat> uh, uh, let's see. How about, uh, how about Old Boy? Already number four. You want to knock it out at number four? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Old boy, scream four. <laughs> old boy. Scream four. Old, old boy. Did you say old boy, Josh? Yeah. I feel like we're going to be split a lot with this one. Old boy, I'm just going to keep saying whatever's opposite. <laughs> old boy. 21. 21. <laughs> You're not a fan of old boy? I haven't seen it. I told you oh. guys this. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, I was just doing this. Uh, guess what happens at the end. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> uh, Better ask those guys. I still don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see something else then. All right. Uh, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Jeff. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Which one? Last Jedi. <laughs> really? Oh, I could do this. All right, we'll do this one just for fun. Burlesque killer clowns from outer space. Killer clowns. Killer clowns from outer space. That's the only share love I'm getting from burlesque. Is, so killer clowns. <laughs> I haven't seen burlesque, but I feel I would still choose killer clowns. Yes. All right, we don't got to do this one. Uh, what other movies you want to run through? Anything particular, Josh? Um, what, Josh? Sean? Let's do. I said somebody other than me pick. 
All right. Do the birds. <laughs> okay. I I just I sold a ton of birds uh, prints this weekend, so it just it's right there on top of mine. Yeah, for everything there is a season. Haha. <laughs> 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 the birds scream for <laughs> the birds. Uh, the birds. Birds. Yeah. The birds. It's 21. just going to be all the same movies. Yeah, the birds. The birds. Birds. <laughs> the birds. Secret of the ooze. <laughs> the birds. Birds. The birds. <laughs> the birds. Blazing saddles. That's tough. Actually, I love Blazing Saddles. Uh, the birds. <laughs> yeah, the birds. Bird. Yeah. The birds fight club. The birds. I'm going to go fight club here. I'm going to go fight club as well. I'm going to say the birds because fight club, I, after the first couple times I watched it, I just, it's fine. All right, you uh, got, are you, we going to You got the flip? coin. Yeah, you got the coin. Fight Club. Oh, wow. Thank you, Coin. The Birds Raging Bull. Raging Bull. The Birds. birds. <laughs> Flip it again. <laughs> the Birds. The Birds Notorious. The Birds. The Birds. Birds. Yes. The Birds Major League. Major. N- the Birds. <laughs> The birds. Shit. I'm choosing Major League. <laughs> I mean, I'll take the birds, but I would watch Major League first. The birds clue. The birds. The birds. Birds, but I do love clue. The birds sideways. Sideways. The birds. Bird. All right, flip it. Oh, the birds. The birds, Ghostbusters. Birds. The birds. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters poster. I'm going to go Ghostbusters as well. Bizarre, right? Flip it. (laughs) The birds. The birds. So, Josh, we were uh, going through Albert Brooks because you had that documentary come out. And I said... Uh, I would like to take Albert Brooks and put him in all of Bill Murray's movies and see how they would go. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Can you say that just one more time? That broke up a little bit. Albert Brooks. I would like to see him replace Bill Murray in all of Bill Murray's movies, except maybe Ghostbusters. Because uh, <laughs> I actually think it would be they would make better movies. And I've, as much as I love Bill Murray, but... Uh, I really have a newfound appreciation for Albert Brooks after last week. That it's interesting because I probably wouldn't have considered it um, nearly as hard unless I hadn't seen Drive uh, in May for the first time. And for whatever Drive is another one of those polarizing type things, and I absolutely fucking loved it. Um, and Albert Brooks in that yeah. is so darn good. Um, I, I actually think that's not a bad idea, but I'm still a big fan of, of Bill Murray. And, you know, the thing is, he had, uh, 
some of his his um, failures as a professional and a human being are more and more coming to light, and that that puts a pretty large stain on it for me. But at the same time, I think you're going more for. Right. Um, is Albert Brooks a better Bill Murray than Bill Murray? Is. Well, I, Am I, I right think, yeah, I think Bill Murray's too. Uh, like, Albert Brooks cares more about the ensemble. Well, Bill Murray's more of the. Especially in his comedies early on, it's all about Bill Murray. But you throw yeah. Albert Brooks in Groundhog Day or Scrooge, and I wonder what those movies look like. Not necessarily lost in translation. When Bill Murray at that point was starting to be more of an ensemble guy, but some of his leading roles in the eighties, I, I I think Albert Brooks might have elevated those movies. In in terms of Albert Brooks's um, his strongest performances, I think he has better strong strongest performances than Bill Murray does uh, for sure. But you know, there's one movie that everybody seems to really love, but me, and that's uh, something. It's called Defending Your Life, which I know oh, you guys know. We loved it. <laughs> I, I cannot stand Defending Your Life. That was something that my mom just had on all the time. It was like when you're ready to hear the next song in the car in the '80s, and your parents just hit the uh, cracking button, rewind again to listen to the same damn song for the fifth time in a row. Uh, <laughs> Defending Your Life was on that many times in my house. Gotcha. And I'm sorry, I just found him as a as a I think a 12 or 13 year old when that came out. I just found him to be the whiniest little bitch of all time. So uh, the one thing I did take from defending your life is the uh, breakfast buffet that they had there. And I'm always hoping that if there's an afterlife, I can just eat to my heart's content without worrying about you know falling over. Well, you're a big Finding Nemo fan, right? I am, of course. Uh, you've heard that that about how. Defending Your Life made that movie happen. <laughs> Have you? No, uh, but now I'm interested. So originally, William H. Macy did the voice, and uh, it was so bad that they Disney was no longer interested in purchasing Pixar because they knew it was going to fail, and they were going to let Pixar's price drop, and then they were going to purchase Pixar. Uh, and so they went back and they. They re- I don't know how they did it, but they took some of the lines from Defending Your Life and put that in the, the dad voice and said, this is how you know the dad in Finding Nemo should be. And I think they go through this in the documentary uh, a little bit. Uh, but because of that, Albert Brooks decided to sign on and, uh, and Finding Nemo ended up being one of the better Pixar movies. Of it. Uh, that's fascinating. Uh, I had no idea no. about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Albert Brooks. Uh, <laughs> I had never all, seen Defending Your Life prior to last week, so that's. I think that does help. I understand what you're saying. When you oversee something, it is no longer you're no longer able to watch it for what it is. It's just what your nostalgia and memory <laughs> has. Yeah. Now, if, if Jeff Marshall is listening to this, the movie blogger that I don't know if you still chat with him, you guys at all, but uh, I we know that he's such a Meryl Streep fan yes. as well. Um, and he absolutely adores that movie. And so once again, I'm shitting on a Meryl Streep movie, <laughs> but I'm sorry, Uncle Jeff. Uh, but <laughs> after all, I, I just can't handle that one. Albert Brooks, 
that's a major loss right there. Um, he could have been playing delightful character actors to the end of his days, and I guess he did, but I, I wish they had lasted a lot longer. Now, I have a question. If we're replacing Albert Brooks with, or Bill Murray with Albert Brooks, does that mean, uh, like, I had dinner at the Caddyshack, uh, the Murray Brothers Caddyshack on Sunday. Does that mean that he gets that, too? Because that's going to be a whole different setup. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, I hadn't yeah. really thought about Caddyshack. I was really thinking of Groundhog Day more than anything. I think you could have wanna... changed as well. But... <laughs> I want to share a memory about the show. All right. Uh, the, the first time I was ever on the show was to talk about the best horror movie that ever was, and that's Black Christmas. Um, which I'm currently in the middle of making a poster for uh, Black Christmas um, to have at uh, an event where Lynn Griffin, who played Claire, the lady with the bag on her head, uh, will be in attendance, along with the movie Curtains, which I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. That'd be a good January classic. Um, But yeah, it's like the 600th episode, and I'm still hung up on black Christmas. So. <laughs> no, so if you guys want to come and see it in Chicago and on the second, I'll be there. I will be on a work trip. <laughs> Good thing we haven't talked about uh, with Josh here is that there've been uh, several time travel movies. Since the last time you were here, Josh, uh, including, uh, I don't know if you've, you've probably not seen this one, but uh, totally killer is a pretty terrific uh, time travel. Yeah. Horror. Yeah, I didn't. However, I did see how abusive you guys were about that one, and it is currently in my watch list. Uh, that's something I actually kind of want to watch with my son uh, because yeah. we are bonkers for that type of movie. Of course, we still have the uh, full bonus episode that is uh, it's probably in the regular feed now. Just a, a, what was it, two or three parts that we did on time travel? It was pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> We spent a lot of time on it. Uh, a lot of rules. I remember the amount of research that Josh brought with him was incredible. <laughs> oh, the time travel episode. How many edits did you make on that one? I would love to, you know, have uh, some time travel involved to go back and re-record that without certain guests. <laughs> uh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> I don't even know where it's at. <laughs> It's out there somewhere. Uh, 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 let's see. Any other memories that you guys want to bring up or talk Gosh, about? Gosh, have you seen any? Uh, have you seen any erotic shoulders lately? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Florence Pugh in Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I was just talking about this over the weekend where uh, it, it is difficult for me at, at age 44 now. If I have seen um, a young woman as a child actor at any point as an adult, I can't I can't go with the attractiveness part. So there, there's a lineup of young ladies that are. Uh, rather significant right now in in Hollywood. You could go, you know, Dakota Fanning, L. Fanning, you know, those two. Um, 
Moretz. Yeah, all of these folks that we're thinking of, in, including, um, oh gosh, who did we literally, Florence Pugh. It's just not something that I can say like, uh, wow, she's uh, she's one of my favorite best looking. To me at this point, they're all children <laughs> and they're all my children for that matter. And so therefore, uh, Florence Pugh on screen uh, knew she's a beautiful woman. And I find myself wanting, however, for my eyes to turn away from it. I don't know what that means other than I'm officially middle aged full parent mode and uh feeling bad about any sort of attractiveness of somebody that is that was once underage <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily anyway, for me does have beautiful for- sexy shoulders though <laughs> luckily for me freddie highmore just isn't fuckable <laughs> <laughs> that should be the title of this episode <laughs> wow well, Freddie Highmore. Wow, that takes me back. <laughs> Return to Neverland? Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the best part of Josh's comment there is Killian Murphy's older than us, and he's a love interest to Florence Pugh and Oppenheimer. Wait, who, who's older than us? Uh, Killian Murphy, isn't he? He's in his 50s, Oh, yes, isn't he? yes. Yeah, he is. Uh, no, I, I'm with you though i can't there's there was a trailer that played before thanksgiving uh i want to say the actress i don't even know who she is sydney sweeney or something like that yes and i was just like this movie is just i'm my wife and i were just watching but we're too old for this (laughs) like this is not something we can watch and enjoy ever uh Uh, so how do you guys feel about euphoria didn't watch it as much as I tried to watch one episode. I'm like, I just can't do this. <laughs> Too young. I didn't watch the Lily Rose Depp one, whatever show that was. Uh, yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> well, as we're, uh, I think we're wrapping up here. But Josh, are, is there something that you're looking forward to that hasn't uh, come out yet that you're, you've got your eye on? Well, you know, I was really hoping that Saltburn would uh, be around. Um, that trailer, it just, it does it for me. Both of the trailers that I've seen, in fact, do it for me. And Barry Kogan, am I saying that right, Sean? I go to you for these things. I think he's Keegan, but I'm not sure off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Keegan. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I'm very interested in that one. Uh I'm very interested in uh, the wrap-up of the DC Universe with Aquaman. Uh, For whatever reason, I'm excited about it. Um, Beyond that, you'd probably have to throw out a few more movies for me to remember, honestly. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of trailers. It's not something I've kept up a whole bunch on. And so I I know that I've missed some things. Dream scenario, poor things. (laughs) Oh, uh, the Yorgos Lanthimos thing is not my thing. Uh, we talked about how I dislike the lobster and killing of a sacred deer, but uh, poor things, the trailer for that, actually, I, I kind of dig it. And so I would be interested in seeing that. What about Dream Scenario with Nicolas Cage? Throw some more titles out. Uh, Bob was asking you about Dream Scenario, the new Nicolas Cage movie. Oh, I have no idea about that one. Is it's that is that where he's bald? 
he's or is that a yeah. he's a, he's appearing in people's dreams. He's a regular guy, uh, college professor who, for some reason, keeps a popping up in various different strangers' dreams. So, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> They make that joke, well, in the trailer, actually. <laughs> less, less attractive Freddy Krueger. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that means I'm going to go watch the trailer as soon as we're done, uh, for the heck of it. Uh, Nicholas Cage is always exciting, even when he is full-on CGI Nicholas Cage. That was exciting. What about The Sound of Freedom? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a little too woke for Josh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, a faith-based film with the wokest fucking <laughs> historical figure of all time, Jesus being involved. I'm sure that that would piss a lot of people off. No, I, I don't ever plan on seeing it. However, if I was challenged to, for whatever reason, to provide some sort of, um, you know, dead on analysis of it, then sure I would. But in the meantime, um, for everything that is said about agendas, et cetera, I, I, I think that that one pretty much has a very specific agenda and speaking to um, child trafficking and everything. If you listen to a lot of professionals, they say that this is the kind of thing that actually hurts their cause. And I would prefer to let people that know what they're talking about do the talking on such a serious subject and stop letting um, bullies do all of the talking so do i plan on seeing sound of freedom fuck no <clears throat> amen brother amen uh, i don't have any other titles <laughs> <laughs> i don't really know what's coming out either i usually find out at the last minute uh a couple things i guess just to, just to wrap up though but there's a couple things that i would hope to get your opinion on it eventually uh josh like air uh i was not a fan of air uh but uh i know bob i think you were a fan of it right but we're both you and jeff are fans of that one right yeah. yes and uh i'm i'm a huge fan of creed 3 and i'm hoping to get more people to watch and enjoy i'm creed. boycotting creed 3 <laughs> no sly <laughs> boycott uh i mean i'm half kidding but i just really haven't seen it uh i don't know i'm just lost a little interest in it but uh, in January still in my top ten. Seriously, um, I haven't seen Creed three, um, but I do plan on it. I'm not uh, attempting any sort of boycott of it. Uh, <laughs> but oh shoot, what was the other one you mentioned? I'm sorry, Air. Air. Okay, I did see that and I did enjoy it. Uh, there, there is a little bit something missing about it, but. It also just kind of hit the right nerve as, uh, I mean, not everybody's a sports fan per se, but that one hit a particular nerve of when I started to come around to mm -hmm. what sports was about. Um, I was also, you know, heavily sucked into the whole idea of, uh, Jordans and shoes and, and what that meant, the status of it, et cetera. And to see how that, came together so to speak and how they played service to the things that we knew in the public and i don't know there there was something kind of just neat about the movie um and for something that was mainly a streaming release which i usually associate with slightly lesser quality i was still sort of a fan of this 
Well, that came out the same weekend as Meyer Brothers, too. So it's just a bunch of nostalgia. <laughs> because they, yeah. both movies captured the 80s really, really well. Uh, but that's cool. I can't believe it's time to start thinking about our top 10 already. I'll have to be like, knock him. I know I'll be, Sean, have I seen this? <laughs> what did I think <laughs> on the show? <laughs> i got to think, if anything, is going to knock Megan off. Is that this year? <laughs> Yeah, that was what that was one of our first episodes. We were talking about that. That was good. Yeah, no, uh, it's a past lives. Bo was afraid and Oppenheimer for me. But uh, Josh, where are you? Uh, I know you've seen fewer movies, but what is the best movie you've seen in twenty twenty three? Well, the thing is, it kind of I, I although I saw it, I think in uh, late February, early March. Um, the movie Paul Mescal was in up for Best Actor, and it was for last year's Oscars. Sun. A24 movie? <laughs> yeah, After Sun. After Sun. Uh, that's the best thing that I've seen this year. It just happens to be. I fucking knew you were going to love that. Oh. <laughs> Woo. Um, you know, actually, that one right up there with uh, The Road for my son and I. We really connected on that particular one. Oh, man, I could probably talk about that one for a while. I won't. But um, <laughs> in terms of the 2023 movies, let me go back to my other layer. <laughs> <laughs> I've got all the stuff that I've Oh, it's watched. my shoe room now. <laughs> yeah. I would say at this point, The Killer is probably the best current 2023 movie I've seen. And, and that's not necessarily fair because the newer stuff has really been, I've seen popular stuff. Um, Oppenheimer would probably be number two. <clears throat> yeah, I recommend uh, Infinity Pool. That was pretty good. I'm trying oh, to yeah. look at all the good movies that came out this year that I remember. <laughs> <laughs> no Hard Feelings was fun. I don't know if it's a top ten, though. Uh, My top ten is going to be your guys' bottom ten, probably. Like, <laughs> I don't care. I'm here to bring. I hate I'm Megan bring that much. <laughs> I love Megan. I'm, it might be at the bottom of my top ten. Uh, dead air. Sorry. Josh, go no, see. Actually, Megan. you know what? That's Another awesome. one that I I really feel that I should bring up is uh, "Talk to Me." I I think I would put that in my top five. I had, I really enjoyed that. Um, I don't remember what you guys thought of it, but I mean, hey, it's a twenty four and it's slightly effective, at least uh, on a scary level for me. I think we all liked it. Yeah, I think we liked that one quite a bit. Pope twenty and. Uh, Let's see. They cloned Tyrone. I caught that one. Um, I really enjoyed that. It was just weird enough to get me uh, attached to it. And I don't know if uh, all of you saw that or perhaps just Sean. No, actually, I didn't get a chance to see that one. The Pope's exorcist. Jamie Foxx and and Boyega and Tiana Paris um, lead that one. I I really enjoyed it. I gave it four out of five. Mm. Did you see Cocaine Bear, Josh? I didn't. I uh, relied on my son's review of that, and he said, nah. Yeah, as, <laughs> as much as we were looking forward to it based on the trailer, um, his experience of it was, yeah, it's brutal at times, but it's pretty stupid. But it was a lot of fun. It was awesomely stupid. But at the same time, and I actually, 
I got to see the movie and the actual cocaine bear stuffed at Scarefest this year. Stuffed? Yeah, I'll I'll post a picture of it in the group because yeah, they they the actual bear, the actual cocaine bear, was at Scarefest because it, it was in Kentucky. And it's at a roadside attraction. I don't remember where. I remember listening to the My Favorite Murder podcast, and they talked about that whole episode. Um, and then they did bring up where it was, and I don't remember, but I got to actually see the actual cocaine bear. Oh. Well, that's kind of cool. You don't necessarily run into something like that every day. <sighs> Not often you meet celebrities. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I met a bunch this weekend. <laughs> But nothing, nothing I, level of cocaine so, bear. Do you guys want to hear an absolutely bonkers fucking story mm-hmm. about this weekend? Okay, so have you guys ever have you guys seen the movie Terror Train? Not the remake that came out last year, but the original Jamie Lee Curtis uh, tourist uh, Terror Train. I've still never seen it. Okay, we have to do that as a classic then sometimes. Um, so Derek McKinnon, who was a drag performer who was in this movie, who um, spoiler alert, played the killer, was supposed to appear at Days of the Dead this weekend in Chicago. Uh, i kind of acquainted with the person who does a lot of the Friday the 13th people and was getting him for the show. Well, he didn't have, uh, he didn't show up because he apparently had passport problems. That's what Stacy said. So I posted on my Instagram, that, you know, I was all set up for Days of the Dead and I just hashtagged the movie Terror Train because I did a print for it, hoping that I could get him to sign it because that's my thing is having my own artwork signed. Um, well, he didn't show up. And I woke up the next morning in my Airbnb and I was just scrolling through Instagram and I had a couple messages. And one of the messages or somebody had asked if he had, if he was there and I said, no, he canceled. And a lady messaged me and said, Oh, well, yeah, because I think he's dead. And what? people are people are impersonating him. Now I said this to Stacy who is the person who gets him for the show and she said no, I talked to him like today. Then, do you are you guys familiar with Luca Magnata? Did you ever see the the Don't Fuck with Cats on Netflix? Oh yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, he's the guy who killed the uh Chinese student on camera with an ice pick and then sent his body parts to politicians in Canada. Um, Well, this guy who thinks that he was framed said that he believes that Derek McKinnon, who lived in the same building as uh, Luca Magnata may have framed him and has been murdered and he knows who the murderer is. So, we gotta do territory so I can give you guys an update about that story. I I I looked at my friend Merle and I'm like, have you ever heard something so crazy? She goes, Never in my life. So So we don't like, know if this guy's dead or not? Well, according to Stacy, he's alive and well. He just doesn't do a lot of conventions. But according to random people on my Instagram sliding into my DMs. He's either a murderer, he framed somebody for murder who actually like confessed and did it all on screen, or he's been murdered, or he uh, he just died, and people are impersonating him. And what's his name? Derek McKinnon. McKinnon. 
The last convention he was at was in 2011. Um, but I, I, I know people who said that they have seen him, you know, they, they live in Canada and he, he's out and about. So just an absolute bonkers little, uh, aside that I had to share with you guys. That is wild. That is wild. He's not dead yet. Not yet. (laughs) Hey, you know what? That movie takes place on New Year's Eve. We should do that as a classic for the, one of the last shows. Perfect, or one of the first to watch it. (laughs) 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 Be forced to watch it, Sean. All right. Anything else before we call tonight? Thank you, Josh. We love you. It's always wonderful to see you. Um, Just you're such an important part of the show, and I often think, you know, when I'm watching a movie, what would Josh think of this? And like during After Sun, I was like, "This isn't. This is a movie that Josh is going to love." I, I actually did think about messaging you when I watched that because. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, thank you, thank you all for having me on in, in sincerity, and congratulations on making it to this particular milestone. And I mean, I don't think you can possibly picture yet the accomplishment of what this podcast has actually been. Uh, there have been a lot of podcasts across the country that do film reviews, but who has the history of this and who dedicates their time and their efforts and everything? You should be really proud about what you've done. So uh, aside from all that sappy bullshit, um, I, no, I, I also think of you guys every time that I watch something. I wonder, especially if it's a, if it's a cheesy horror film, I'm thinking of uh, Jeff. And if it's super gory, I'm wondering... Like, if it's torture porn, I'm like, oh, what would Bob think about this one? (laughs) Found the torture porn guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. Well, uh, Ben keeps wanting to watch the Rob Zombie stuff, and I'm like, listen, listen, hold on a second. Devil's Rejects begins and ends there. That's it. (laughs) And that's kind of what I I said. I said, Bob, you know, likes this and this and this, but, etc. And, Sean, anytime that there is something that is on the level of of what After Sun is, or what High Fidelity is, or something that I know that you will get um, that I feel like not many folks get. Uh, I think of what would Sean think, and I seek out a lot of your reviews. So um, keep doing what you're doing, please, so that I have a continual backlog of like a hundred episodes that I need to get to. Well, at any point, if you feel like like you see something and you want to pop on, uh, please don't be in, don't worry about. I mean, please say, "Hey, I I'm interested in popping on." Uh, you don't yes, you don't course. have to wait for the invite, but we will we'll definitely make sure to invite you at least once a year, if not more than that. It's always good to have you back on. Yeah, yeah. we can do yeah. a we can do an Ahsoka retrospective. <laughs> patreon episode we can just like we can watch the shows and do like recaps bob is on uh, vacation for the next two weeks so. yeah i'm gone for two <laughs> weeks so if you want to <laughs> that sounds fantastic anything star wars you ever want to do by all means oh yeah talk about star wars again <laughs> yes <laughs> all right thank you everybody uh this is fun awesome thank you all right. Have a good night, guys. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.